Good morning. I'm Pastor Angel Halstead. I'm the pastor of Mosaic Community Church in West Philadelphia, and I welcome you uh, to our service today. Um, Mosaic Community Church is a beautiful church that is filled with um, this wonderful tapestry of humanity. We come from every walk of life. We enjoy each other and are striving uh, to know each other, not just uh, to be familiar with faces, but to know our backgrounds, our stories, and to understand this unique and beautiful mosaic God is time together of God's people from every walk of life. And so if you're joining with us for the first time today, we welcome you. I ask you to sit back and enjoy the service. If you have been visiting with us, we just ask you to, you know, just, just type a greeting in our chat and say hello. And the members as they join on, on will, uh, will type a greeting as well. And you might even see me in the chat. Um, so we want you to enjoy Jesus with us today. We hold Jesus at the center of our church. And we are all striving to move closer to him, to reflect him in the beautiful tapestry that's the kingdom of God. So you're welcome and to be with us. And uh, let me pray. Our God and Father, thank you so much for this new day that you have created. A day that we set aside to worship you, to, um, to be with our family, Father. And since we can't be together physically, Father. We choose, we make an intentional decision to join together with family on the internet and to worship your name uh, and, and to celebrate the goodness that you bring to the earth and how you're using us to fulfill your desire that everyone know who you are and that we live together in unity. So Father, we ask that you would bless this service today, that you would fill our hearts with you and your presence, that you would connect us, Holy Spirit, as only you can. Jesus, be honored today. It is our utmost desire to make you known so that the ways that the church has been represented that don't really reflect who you are, God, we ask that you would help us do that today so people can see you and not I don't know, some projection that we're making. Because I, we know that you make the difference in our lives. And we want people to have that experience with you as well. So again, bless our service. Every participant um, that's prepared something for us today um, and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me there was another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding Of how I've been set free There 
is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me there is another in the fire
sermon today, I want to weave together two stories and hopefully pull out a lesson from it that I think applies to maybe the way that some of us are feeling um, today um, after the elections and um, with the pending, not even pending, with the rise of uh, more COVID cases. So let me just jump in. When I lived in Boston, I was uh, a member of a church. I served as uh, an associate minister and uh, uh, an elder um, in the church whose pastor was an advocate. And it was a great experience. I learned, I learned so much from, from this gentleman, from the community that had been around him for years. Um, and so I consider myself extremely blessed. But I also learned about the price it costs to do these kinds of actions to be engaged in the community. And needless to say, it was really, a, you could get really tired um, physically and you could get tired emotionally and spiritually. So I remember that I was in a season where I was just really exhausted. And uh, I met with him every week uh, to discuss what we were going to do for the, the upcoming service and to, check on where we were in our plans. I was the facilitating elder, so I gave structure to our movement. And um, I remember coming out of the room with him. I mean, he was an activist, but he's a visionary. Was, still is, a visionary, even into his 70s. And I remember walking out of that room because he was, we just finished something, so he was still in the high and excited. We're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and we need to do this. And my job was to create a plan around the visions uh, so we could actually do them. And I'm listening, so I step out. His wife's office was next door. Um, and I stepped out and I looked at her and uh, I said, yeah, he's got another mountain for us to climb. I was like, and all I want to do is slide down this wall and cry right now. And she started laughing and nodding. You know, it was a knowing laugh, annoying. <sighs> Knew her husband, knows her husband. And um, I just remember that, you know. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me that in my head somehow I tell myself, you know, and when we get to the end of this, everything's going to be better. I'm going to be so energetic and excited and enthused and, you know, everything is just going to be set right. And then when I find that I actually get to an end of what I think is the end of a phase or the end of the, the, the whole battle or campaign, I have that time of euphoria, you know, and it's just really exciting and suck so entering the celebration with everybody. But then 
something changes, right? And it just, I start going, seeping down from the high. And you know, I want to ask myself, what's up with that? What is, what's going on? Because it catches me off guard every time. And so maybe you're at that place today after, you know, the high from last weekend and everybody out in the street celebrating, or maybe you were there before and then the high of last weekend, everybody else's high took you down. We're in different places. We have different, you know, ideologies. But in truth, um, that trajectory of high and then low is something we all deal with. And so, you know, there was a guy in scripture, his name, Elijah. Um, he encountered a similar experience. And I think there's some things that we can learn from his life to help us um, as we're experiencing this today. If you're experiencing it today, you may so know someone else who's experiencing this low, this like sudden drop of, you know, energy, enthusiasm, you know, just want to take a break because it's been so long dealing with stuff. So I want to tell you his story. It's found in 1 Kings. Uh, I'm going to focus on chapter 18, but his story in 1 Kings is found in chapters 17, 18, and 19. And I want to talk about 18 and a bit of 19 today. Very quickly, if I can. It's a big story to summarize. But here's the deal. Elijah was a prophet of God. He was a primary prophet um, during the reign of King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. So the story goes with them, and please you can read it for yourself, that um, God had told him, you know, to say that there would be no rain, and there was no rain, right? And so... Um, they go through this period where there, where Ahaz and Jezebel are killing the prophets of the God of Israel. And, it, and God has Elijah moving from place to place, so they can never catch up with him. And they blame him for the drought, that, as if he could do it himself, and it wasn't his God that did it. Now, they had turned from, they were the kings of the northern, they were the rulers of the northern kingdom, but they had turned from the God of Israel and were worshiping Baal. Now, Baal um, and Asherah, Asherah, they went together, uh, like a male and a female. He was, she was like his, his consort, okay? Um, and so, some people just call them the Baals. So the Baal, so um, Baal was a god of fertility, and they thought that doing actions uh, and participating in activities um, around fertility would bless, would would be an act of worship to the Baals and make the Baals bless the crops, the land, and the people to be fertile. Um, so along with being the god of fertility went you know being a god of rain they they held him responsible for the coming of rain so it's really interesting that they turned to this god and god's response was oh you think he's a god let me show you and there was no rain and they entered into the season of drought so god tells ahab you know it's been some time has passed go show yourself god says to elijah sorry go show yourself to ahab 
Go let him see that you're 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 standing right there. And Ahab goes and does it. Not a problem. Not a thought. You think this guy's trying to kill you? You might have some second thoughts about what God has told you to do, but Elijah was on point. The Lord said it. That was good enough for him. I'm out. So he went and who he ran into first was Obadiah. And Obadiah was a servant of um, Ahab. And they were out um, looking in different portions of the land for grain, uh, grass for their animals. Um, and so Eli Elijah ran into him and he said, go tell your master Ahab, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. And Obadiah's response was, uh, you want me to do what? <laughs> he's like, go tell him I'm right here. And he's like, why, why would you ask me to do that? What, what, what have I done to you what, that makes you ask me that? And Ahab, um, get the names messed up. Elijah, the prophet, was like, what are you talking about? And Obadiah, the servant, said simply, you know that the spirit may catch you up. I've been walking with God for a long time. I'm a follower. We know that the spirit sometimes will catch you up and you might be here today, but in 15 minutes, you'd be done gone somewhere far away. And then Ahab is looking at me like I'm playing with him and he's going to kill me. So I need to understand you want me to be in this position to do this thing. What have I done to you that you would ask me of, of this of me? And uh, I can I can imagine Elijah just saying, man, just, just go do what I ask. And uh, but the scripture doesn't say that. That was me. So. Obadiah goes. He says, all right, I followed the Lord. I've always followed the Lord. I'm going to go do this thing. But I could tell he had a bit of an attitude with it. So he went and Elijah did stay where he was supposed to stay. So Ahab comes up to him. They start talking. Ahab greets him with, yo, you're the troubler of Israel, you know, because they blamed him for the, for the, uh, the drought. And Elijah was having none of it. He was like, nope. Don't put that on me. That's all about you. You and your fathers before you. You're the ones that caused this, this problem. And so they're talking. He's like you know, about their following of, of Baal and rejecting God. He's like, okay, we need to just have a showdown. My words. But it's still the story. Go read it for yourself again. First Kings 18. We need to have a showdown to determine whose God really is God. So why don't you bring all your folks um, your, your prophets of, of Baal and your prophets of Asherah and meet me up on Mount Carmel. Now the high places like Mount Carmel were places where they used to worship God. But they had stopped that. So, But there had been an altar there before. So it was a familiar place of worship. So they met them up. Now they met them up there. Now Ahab brought with him 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. 850 people at least. Those are just the prophets, not the crowd that came because something was going on. So you have Ahab, all his prophets versus just Elijah, right? So Elijah, again, full of God, spirit, being directed and very clear what God wants him to do, says, look, this is what we're going to do. You guys build uh, an offering to your God. I'll do an offering to my God and we'll see whoever's God comes down and fire. Is, is God. So, and I'm cool. I'm cool with it. I, I'm confident. You all go first. So they built an altar. They got, um, they put down some wood and they, they had their sacrifice and put their sacrifice on it. And from morning to noon, they cried out and danced and did all these acts of worship to, to get the attention of their God, but nothing happened. 
And they were so into it that Elijah, I, I love Elijah, he is so full of sass that it, 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 it's crazy. Because again, it's just him and all these other folk, right? So he's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe your God is busy, can't hear you right now. Maybe he's thinking a lot. And, you know, scripturally use a little euphemism and, and um, to, to kind of disguise the language. Part of the language is, well, maybe he's in the bathroom. Can't be bothered right now. You know, so he's just insulting him, talking smack back and forth. He's busy. You know, you guys, maybe you guys aren't shouting loud enough. And uh, so they just get even louder and they dance even harder and they start slashing themselves, thinking if they do that, that'll get their God's attention. And nothing happens. And, and Elijah's like, all right. I'm done with this. You got, come on over here. Let's leave that alone. Your, your God had a chance. Nothing happened. My turn. So Elijah goes over to where there had been an, an altar to God. And he reconstructs uh, the altar using 12 stones that each represent the, the children of Israel. And so on the stones, he put wood. Um, he dug this big trench around uh, the altar that hold, held like gallons and gallons of water. And he put the sacrifice on top of it. And then he looked at it and he was like, mm, let's make this a little bit harder. So they had these big, huge jugs, not like a little jug we talk, we, we can just pick up, but something that you full of water that you had to get help with to pour it on. He says, I want you guys to take four of those jugs, pour it all over. So they did, did it again, drenched it. Then he looked at it again, he's like, do all that all again. Do it a whole other time, another four times. And so they come up and they pour these big jugs again so that it is soaked. The, the sacrifice is drenched. The wood is drenched. Now he's calling down fire. You got a, a wet sacrifice. You got a wet wood. The stones are wet. The ground is wet. The trench is filled with water. The water is absorbing into the ground. And now Elijah says, okay, we're ready. And so Elijah doesn't have to go through all this ritual. He prays one prayer to the God of Israel. If you are God, show us, show us today by coming down in the fire. And so he prayed this prayer and then whoosh, the fire came down from heaven. And listen, the fire was so intense, it burnt up with nothing left, the sacrifice. It burnt all the wood, nothing left. It even consumed the stones, nothing left. It, it dried up all the water in the trench and into the ground, so much so the grass that was on the ground burnt up, nothing. That fire came down and consumed it all. Like God was saying, look at this. No, long, no, no hours long dancing, trying to get my attention. I pay attention to my prophet. And when that happened and that, 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 that moment that God demonstrated God's power, people fell to their faces and said, Elijah's God is God. The God of Israel is God. And they just chanted it and chanted it. And so Elijah had them gather them up, gather up all the prophets, that 850 people, and they dealt with them so that they didn't exist anymore. I'm trying to watch my language. So... Um, they took him down the mountain and while they were dealing with the prophets um, Elijah went back up into Mount Carmel now God had told him go show yourself to to um, to Ahab but he also told him at that time I'm going to send rain 
So after they did all of that, it, uh, Elijah went back up into the mountain and prayed. And he asked God for rain. So he sent his servant who was with him and it had him look out into the distance over the water and look for storm clouds or you know rain clouds. And his servant looked and didn't see anything. Came back and said, nope, don't see nothing. So Elijah prayed again. The guy went out again, came back. No, mm -mm, nothing there. And they did this seven times. But on the seventh time, he sent him out. And he saw rising up from the sea, the scripture says, um, a cloud about the size of a hand. And he came back and he says, you know, all I see is this like rain cloud, but it's like the size of my hand, you know. And Elijah was like, bet, that's it. Okay, now do this. I want you to go and tell Ahab that he better go ahead and giddy up and get to, to back to his home. I guess it's a castle, it's a king. Back to the castle, or if he doesn't, it's going to rain on his head. And so his servant goes to do that. And then Elijah got a little bit more left in him. So Elijah, you know, they wore the flowing robe garments. So Elijah took his garment and wrapped around him so his legs were free. And Elijah took off running for King Ahab's place. And he actually beat Ahab there on foot. And Ahab is in a chariot with a horse. But Elijah beat him because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can see this man who's full of sass. Scripture doesn't say this. This is me. And this is what I do in my head. I can see when he came in to the city, Elijah's like, yeah, hey, how you doing? <laughs> he saw him walking by. Uh, so Ahab was mad. The man was toast. He was so mad. So he went into his house and he went up to where Jezebel was. And he told Jezebel, everything that had happened. He told him about, you know, we went out to find the grass and then Elijah decided to show himself. And then we got the prophet. We had, we talked about having a showdown and we got the prophets and God, his God came down in fire. And then it is he, like all our 850 prophets, they're gone. And Jezebel was so angry. She sent word to Elijah. Okay. Elijah, who experienced God using him for all these miracles, God showing himself strong on a, on God's behalf, on Elijah's behalf, because you know a prophet by whether or not God is true, by whether or not God is answering the prophet and, and the things the prophet says are coming true. So clearly, Elijah is a prophet of the Most High God. But Jezebel sends this word through the castle down to Elijah. May my gods do what you did to my prophets or even worse if in the next 24 hours I don't get you. And that word that was sent to Elijah from Jezebel scared the mess out of Elijah. Scared Elijah so much Elijah was like... I'm out. And he started running. He had his servant with him and he was gone. He was running. Um, he had been on the run before, but God was telling him where to go and kept him hidden and all, all that when during the drought. Um, but now here he is again, but it's a different kind of running. He, you know, came into the city on this high of, you know, God has just shown God so strong. Yo, I'm basking in this. My God is the man or, you know, my God is the God, you know. And this, this, this word that came from this queen just took him to another place. So he and his servant went out to a place, I think, called Beersheba. 
and he left his servant there and he went out farther and he got to the place where there was just this broom tree a, a little bit of shade and he fell under the broom tree and was thinking to himself and talking to God and he got so despondent remember way up here and now dude is way down here he got so despondent he told the Lord there's nothing left. Is this just going to keep happening? There's nothing left for me to do than to just die. I want to die and be done with all of this. It's like, you, you read that and you're like, wow. How do you go from here to here so quickly? After seeing so much? It's, it's, it's crazy. But God sees Elijah. And God sends an angel to Elijah. And so, um, they made, food was prepared for Elijah and water to drink. And Elijah woke up and the angel said, drink and eat. And Elijah drank the food that was there and ate and went back to sleep. And Elijah woke up again and the angel gave him the food and the drink again and said, the journey's been too much for you. This has been too much. Eat, drink. And like, renew yourself. Do this. And he did, and he went to sleep again. And this time, the third time, I think it was, he got up. And he was ready to seek God. And so in his, his seeking of God took him to Mount Horeb, another place of worship. And so he went into Mount Horeb, and I felt like God was saying to him, What's up? Where have you been? And he says, like, you know, my heart was zealous. I, the zeal of the Lord was on me, and I've done incredible things for you. But now I find, like, I'm the last prophet. It's just me left, God. And so God let him know that he was going to show himself to Elijah. And so three things happened that were really incredible, right? This big wind whoosh, came, you know? And, and what, was this God? You know, this big wind, this big movement of God? And it was like, no, God wasn't in that wind. And the next thing that happened was the whole earth, that whole mountain started shaking and there was an earthquake. And the scripture let them know, no, that's not God either. And the next thing that came was this fire. And I imagine it could be like the fire that came and consumed the sacrifice. The fire came. But scripture says God wasn't in the fire either. And the next thing that happened with Elijah was that Elijah heard the still small voice of God saying, Where have you been? What's going on? And Elijah goes in again. I have been zealous. My zeal has been full for you. And I'm like, the last dude left. And God told him, nah, actually you're not. I have like a thousand folks who have not bent their knee to worship Baal or other gods. So you're not it. You're not alone. I got this. I really do. And so he gave Elijah his next assignments. And Elijah went on to fulfill those um, anointing people and actually calling Elisha to become now the, the major prophet for the season. Now, it's an incredible story. 
But remember in the beginning I said I walked out of my pastor's office and we had had this high and it's just like I hit that low place. And all I want to do is cry because it's just like, here we go again. And I don't know about you. I was ecstatic, just, you know, well, I was joining people in the celebrations and stuff, my own personal, not as pastor, as me. And, uh, so, hit the real high, you know, looked at all those wonderful things that, you know, people were out celebrating together and, you know, and things were, you know, been praying, people spent a lot of time praying about things and entreating God. I'm not going to say that that's right, because the other flip side is other people were doing other things, praying in other directions. But, you know, I knew that euphoria is the thing that I'm focusing on, right? Maybe you knew that euphoria. Maybe you were out in the street celebrating with everybody and the party was on and you made a TikTok like all those million TikToks are out there and stuff and just laughing and giggling and enjoying. But then you watched the news, maybe, and saw that the uh, COVID-19 cases were on the rise in our community and that we, you know, may need to do some serious things in the beginning. And then maybe you heard that, you know, the health department, CDC, is recommending that we isolate from each other again, even if we don't put on a lockdown, that you do it yourself and only hang out with your family and be exposed in the community as little as possible. Of course, wear a mask because it's how we love each other and protect each other. But you, you, we've done all you could do. I've done all I can do to withstand from March to now. And instead of us coming down, we're entering into another season. And I know they were warning us about it, but it's here now. And it's just hitting me a different kind of way because I want to stay up here but that reality then start hearing news reports about stuff happening and how you know the things for our democracy this is a democracy com comment that how our democracy works in the transition of power isn't taking place so that's another occasion to get concerned and then you hear that people are going to have the opposing folks may have a rally on Saturday you know around the country and that's another reason for concern and it's like here we go again it's not over and I just want to slide down the wall and cry because I don't think I have anything left to give. You know, I'm having the Lord, you know, I believe, but help me. Help my unbelief. It's not that I don't even unbelieve. I'm just tired. And so I relate to this Elijah who was way up on the mountain and then came down and ends up under this broom tree. And it's just like, I can't do anymore just coming to the end of himself. And what I cherish all the more is that God met Elijah exactly where Elijah was, sent the angel to provide for Elijah's need. And maybe Elijah had some self-doubt, I shouldn't be like this. I should feel really good. My face should be really high because I just saw God. And the angel said, no, it's been a lot, man. It's been too much. You need this break. You need to rest. You need to nourish yourself physically. You got to get in shape spiritually. It, it's been a lot. So the lesson I take from this is a lesson to, to share with myself that I've had to share with myself and to share with you. To say, it's okay to be tired. It's okay because it really has been a lot. And if you need to stop for a minute, if you need to slow down, and take a break to nourish yourself,
to prepare for the rest of the journey, the next leg of what God has for you, it's okay. And in the midst of this rest, you can look to God to provide what you need to restore you. This is our good shepherd. We can lay down in green pastures and we can renew our strength. God wants that for you and it's okay. And people put that, you know, we put it on ourselves. People put the whammy on us, you know. As long as Jesus is on the throne, you should be all right. What's happened to your faith? Everything should be fine. We're just being real. I still need Jesus. I'm not Jesus, so I need Jesus. And sometimes I'm really, really, really needed. And sometimes I feel like I can climb a mountain, but none of it, whether I'm needy or can climb the mountain, I can't do any of it without Jesus. And I need that refreshing. So understand, dig into it, drop anchor for a second and figure out what you need. We're all grown folks. I believe in agency and you have the capacity within you to determine what you need and to seek God for that. And that God, I want to encourage you that God will hear and provide for you and that you can look out for it. Even when you can't look out for it, God will shove it under your face. Here's the food. Here's the rest. Chill for a minute. And once we've done that, then we can get up and be like Elijah and go seek God. But the thing we have to remember, and we all get caught up in it when we have these great victories, that it's not that God was in the fire that came from heaven and, 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 and consumed the, the, uh, the sacrifice, the altar, the water, and everything. God, he's not, he's not the God that in... That, that consumes stuff. He's not the fire. He's God. And he's the God who makes the fire. He's the God who makes the good thing happen. And so we're not seeking the thing. We're not seeking the wind. We're not seeking, seeking an earthquake. We're not seeking a fire. We're seeking the one who can make those things happen. Because if I get the one who can make these things happen, then my life is open for that God to show off in my life. To have God's way in my life. And that God is speaking to us in, uh, in this way. And that God is, is, is helping us understand that there is a day coming when we can lift our voices and speak prophetically, prophetically to our communities and to the people of the world and say, let's go in this direction. But recognizing that even as God uses us in these incredible and mighty and amazing ways, that we get tired and there's seasons of rest. So I want you to be good to you and to let God be good to you and rest. And then we'll raise our voice and we'll act like Elijah acted and what God told Elijah to do next. We'll do the next things. But now we need to get some energy and consider the plans we have for the future that are coming up in our conversation immediately following the service for our annual meeting. So you'll hear me talk about, you know, another mountain to climb, but I don't want you to feel like crying because I'm going to push you in ways you're not ready for. First, I want to push you to rest. And then we're going to get up 
and do what God has for us because we're going to have some balance and it's hard and we got to gear up for this next thing. So, God bless you. I hope it encourages your heart. Please again look at the scriptures. 1 Kings um, 18 and 19 for the story I told. And uh, let's look and encourage each other. Look at and encourage each other to rest in well-doing. Even when we're weary, not to be ashamed. Not to add shame to each other. But to renew each other. And then we're going to get up and go. So, be blessed. Bye-bye.
My life falls on in endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the sweet, the far off hymn that hails a new. couple of weeks, um, we've had different members of our church offering prayers for our community, um, for the Wallace family, for black men, for um, people we disagree with. Today, I'd like to offer a prayer for us, for us Christians, for us Mosaic Community Church, um, as we As we sit with today and we start thinking about tomorrow, as we think about the places and the things that God will have us do and the ways God will have us raise our voice to share the good news, to raise our voice and empower others to stand up for themselves, to stand up for us, raise our voice, our prophetic voice, to touch issues in our land. But I want to pray for us today, that God would strengthen us and build us up. So if you would join me in prayer. 
Dear God, teach us to see the relationship between the forest and all the trees. To understand the relationships between the people and our cultures. To acknowledge our similarities and embrace our differences. To embrace the relationship between your love and your mission for the world. Help us, Lord. You are the God who opens blind eyes. We confess our need for you to open our eyes. You are the God who teaches us to speak life-giving words and to sing new songs. We confess our need for you to fill us with those words and to give us those songs. Oh God, help Mosaic to continue to walk this path where all are invited to gather around Jesus, our center, in peace. Whether we be Black or Latinx, Asian, Native, uh, or of European origins, let us unite and de together declare to our siblings that all are welcome and affirmed. Whether economically insecure or secure, let us declare, help us, Lord, to declare, you are welcome here. Whether continuing your anti-racist journey or just becoming aware of the racism that is within you and within our society, let us declare, you are welcome here. Whether inclusive in all of all or struggling with the acceptance of our gay siblings, our straight siblings, our bi and trans and non-binary siblings. Let us declare you are welcome here. We, for we confess our need for you and our need for one another. Help us to be your church, Jesus, and not just a gathering of our own making. We desire to let go of everything that causes your people to separate. We want to be like Jesus. God, some say creating a space like this is impossible. But you have always defied the odds and done miracles. Please bring about the miracle of loving unity here at Mosaic and continue it. Sustain us, Lord. By your grace and the authority you have given to us, we declare that Mosaic Community Church Philadelphia is safe space for all who desire a relationship with Jesus and want to walk in love and peace with humanity and all creation. In this place, all humanity is welcome and the healthy ways in which we can express our love and care are affirmed. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.